Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, everyone. Lucy Kippest here. I'm the editor of Flying Solo. This episode of our podcast is brought to you by Flying Solo's premium membership, a mass of tools and benefits to help your business stand out from the crowd, all for just $99. Head to our joining page to find out more. Today's podcast guest has a very cool job. Not only is Hannah James a freelance writer, she actually works as a reporter and writer for Australian Geographic magazine. Hannah caught my attention on her Instagram feed a few months ago where she was taking a photo of a flat lay in preparation for her latest assignment for the magazine. From where I was sitting at my desk in the office, this sounded like incredibly adventurous and exciting thing to do, far more exciting than what I was doing at the time. So I am delighted to welcome Hannah to the Flying Podcast, Flying Solo Podcast. Hi, Hannah. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. It's very exciting to be speaking to you, not only because of your job, but also because I think Australian Geographic magazine has been around for, correct me if I'm wrong, perhaps 30 years. Is that, is that right? Mm, yeah, I think so. They've just celebrated some, a milestone of, I think, yeah, some fabulous number of issues. So they're, yeah. yeah, they've definitely been around for several decades. Because I remember as a kid growing up that my grandparents always had them in the bookshelf and, um, mm. yeah, the yellow spines are always something yeah. that I remember. So exactly. I obviously had a look at your website in preparation for this interview and it's absolutely <laughs> full of gorgeous photos of the most incredible places in Australia. So my first question to you is how did you get this gig with Australian Geographic? <laughs> well, it's one of those really annoying answers because it was totally serendipity. So it's a bit tricky to replicate, but basically yep. I know it's so annoying. It was timing. So I had quit my job, wanted to go freelance as a, as a sub editor, which I had done before. And I happened to email Australian Geographic, the editor there, along with a few other editors, and they happened to need somebody regularly. So I went into their office for two weeks every two months to help send the magazine to print. So once I was in there already, um, it just kind of evolved that sometimes they need little front of book bits written. And I was like, I'll write that, I'll write that, hand up, hand up. That sort of became bigger stories and then eventually... I kind of got sent on my first reporting trip for them. So it was, I guess it was serendipity and it was great timing. But I think for me, the takeaways were that it was that personal connection. You know, you could see that I was a real person and that also I kind of proved myself, you know, I worked my way up. I didn't start with the big 12 page story. I started yeah. with, you know, a little uncredited picture caption, you know, and then yeah. you just move up. Which is um, such a part of journalism now that you don't hear much about, mm. but that is certainly how most people started, like particularly mm. in print, print journalism where you started mm -hmm. writing whatever it was that you wrote. I had a, um, a very short time in Ireland um, probably about 15 years ago now and I worked for the mm. Sun newspaper there and 
was in charge of finding clippings from the archives of the newspaper, oh. which to me now, like I went on to have, be a digital journalist, but, you know, mm -hmm. that still makes me laugh that that, not laugh, but, you know, it feels quite quaint that that was actually actually someone's job. That was actually a job. Yeah, um, but, but that's yeah, so good because you got to know what it was like on the ground. Yeah. You know, you could see what it was like. You could see the way that things work, and that's invaluable experience. If anybody can do that, I would so recommend it because you can actually see what it's like from the inside. Completely agree. And that, look, that applies to several industries, several kind of jobs. Mm. So mm. now that you've then you got the job, so you've got the gig, how does it actually work? Because obviously the magazine comes out, does it come out monthly? It's bi-monthly, so it's every two months, yeah. and I am a freelancer. So I, you know, it's not really a formal arrangement. It's not really set in stone. So if I pitch something, you know, I'm just a sort of regular contributor. So if I pitch something to them and they like it, I'll go and do it. <laughs> yeah. um, sometimes they assign me stories. So I did write something when I was working there in-house um, on the Flying Doctors. They have a section called Big Picture and they ran this gorgeous retro shot of one of the old Flying Doctor planes. And I really connected with it. I was like, oh, did you know? Because, you know, I'm English. I didn't I didn't grow up with the Flying Doctors in my in my bones like most Australians no, do. Not. So it was yeah. to me. And I really connected with the material and I got excited about it. So when the chance came up to do a 90th anniversary story for the Flying Doctors, the editor thought of me because she was like, oh, bless her. She was all excited about that little <laughs> story that she wrote. She would obviously really enjoy doing it. And then sometimes as well, um, a photographer that I work with quite a lot, he's um, a lot better at pitching than me. I'm a bit, I can be really slack about pitching. Um, and he's really good at pitching these stories. And if he thinks that it's a story that I will sit well with um that will suit me sometimes he'll say oh do you want to do this one with me and i say yes please so we kind of just fit these things into our schedules so that's that's how it works it's a kind of it's all just freelance it's all very ad hoc um but you know as long as you pitch regularly mm -hmm. tap on my own wrist there pitch regularly yeah. <laughs> to sell, um you can you know you can get stories in relatively regularly Okay, great. So say you've been given an assignment then, like the one that I saw you preparing for on Instagram. Mm -hmm. What, how do you prepare? Because obviously it's not just a matter of going to an event. This is usually mm. you take a couple of days. Can you talk us through the process of how you, how you prepare? I, I actually also read somewhere, I think it was on your blog, that you often have to read not only maps, which terrifies me because I'm terrible with maps. <laughs> also academic papers around the area that you're going. So if you can just talk us through a bit about that, your research process. Yeah, well, again, it varies on the story, but I just did the one that you saw on uh, on Instagram. Um, that was just quite a big scientific sort of geological story about volcanoes. So I actually needed quite a lot of prep work because I quit all science in school as soon as I possibly could. <laughs> so, I'm, um, you know, you need to do a fair amount of research. Also, if you're going away somewhere, you need to figure out who you're going to interview. You know, it's not just about you going and being on the ground and kind of relaying your impressions. You need to be with somebody, with an expert. So for this story about volcanoes, we needed a geologist. We found one, you know, like you need somebody on the ground to kind of explain things to you. That makes for a sort of vivid and alive story. Or I also spoke to a geologist who wrote a big paper um about this that I, that I kind of that was the catalyst for the story I spoke to him before we went because he wasn't able to come out in the field with us so um we went to Canberra and interviewed him 
Um, and with the maps, yes, I agree, completely terrifying. <laughs> but if a story involves driving, you need to kind of figure out a realistic itinerary. You know, you're not going to probably cover a thousand kilometers in a day. So no. you've got to figure that stuff out. Sometimes you'll get a local tourism body helping you with that. Um, sometimes you've got to figure it out by yourself. So I just wrote, oh, no, it was about a year ago, I think I wrote a story um, on the history of wine in Australia, which oh, was, wow. you know, Good terrible. <laughs> I know. That was like such a brilliant, brilliant story. Um, and I worked out the itinerary for myself. So with sort of historical vines, I found out where the oldest ones would be. I had to go to the Yarra. I had to go to the Barossa. Um, so I just kind of reached out to individual vineyards and just figured that one out for myself, who would be appropriate people to speak to. So it very much varies on the subject matter. Um, but yeah, it can be, it can be quite a long process, actually. Yeah. It can end up being sort of a year between first pitch and final print product. <laughs> it could be oh, wow. a big, and it, long time. So is it possible, I suppose, is it possible to say, you know, an average length of the process? So obviously you're away mm. for, is it is it ever longer than like a week? Are we talking several oh, weeks? Oh, yeah. So I was away for two weeks um, for that trip that I just did to Queensland because we fitted in two different stories. So um, just to kind of make it worthwhile. So actually one of those is going to have a incredibly rapid turnaround of about uh, three months because obviously the magazine is bi-monthly. It's only every other month. Yeah. So I think that's going into the January, February issue. So that's going to be on sale for those two months. Um, and that was actually a super rapid turnaround because we got back sort of um, early October. Which sounds ridiculous, but anybody who's familiar with the long lead times of print magazines will know mm. that is actually pretty rapid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now I want to talk about packing because that's the thing that <laughs> when I looked at your post, I was like, oh, wow, gosh, imagine thinking about all that. Is is packing yeah. something you've got you've gotten better at as you've or gotten a bit of a knack to as you've come along with this this freelance work? And is there a packing oracle like is there a master masterly somewhere that tells you what to take for jobs like this oh my gosh if there was i would love to know about it if, <laughs> if anybody knows about that tell me i don't have my own um that one that i just did um in queensland um that was a really tricky one to pack for because the two stories that i just you know said that we were we did for that one of them is kind of a road trip so you just need kind of kick around outbacky climbing volcano clothes that you yeah, don't really mind just, which you'd naturally have in your wardrobe <laughs> climbing exactly volcano. yeah yep. you know and then the other one was a hiking story and that was actually a multi-day hiking so i literally needed a tent a sleeping mat a cooking pot i needed to you know get all my food and separated it all out into different portions and stuff and i've done that stuff before so that wasn't new but it's quite a lot to think about when you're also thinking about doing a different story um so yeah, it's difficult. You just write lists and you also just accept that you'll always forget. It's like any holiday, right? Or any travel, yeah. you'll always forget something crucial. And then you'll always have five things that you just never use. So you've just got to accept it. Absolutely. <laughs> but I do love traveling. I, I do a lot of traveling. So I try to, you know, pack as, as uh, compactly as possible and efficiently as possible. And also there's a reason that I almost never appear in my own Instagram pictures. It's because I look terrible. I, my English skin cannot deal with this sunshine. So I'm always just wearing like massive hats and long sleeve <laughs> shirt. And, that's good. You know, that sounds not, smart, Hannah. We'd all be nodding very it. approvingly to that. That's it. I'm trying to be to sun smart, but it's just not, yeah, it's, it's not chic. 
but it, it's practical. practical. I actually remember um, reading a column of Maggie Alderson, who's a British writer, but she used to write this weekend That's column now. But yeah. Yeah, she's still, great. She is great. And she used to, I remember reading once that, because she travelled a lot for her, her job, and she was saying what she'd do is she'd come back after every trip and then write a list of the things yeah. that she wished she'd taken. So yes. that in the next time there was sort of yeah. like she sort of created her own master list, essentially. Yeah. Thing, which I always think is a good idea, but remembering right. to do that is another Thank thing. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> so obviously you're travelling around and you're taking a lot of information. Do you take a laptop mm-hmm. with you or how are you taking notes mm-hmm. as you're going about your day creating the story? Yeah, I definitely have a laptop with me. Um, I have developed a bit of a hybrid method, which isn't as fancy as it sounds. I have a little digital recorder with a USB. It's, I think it's a Sony. Yeah, I think it's a Sony. Um, and I always use that for sort of phone interviews and face to face interviews. Um, and that is just invaluable. But I have found that it isn't quite as much use in the field because literally if you're going for a hike with an expert for two hours, you can't have that thing on for two hours. The battery no. will run out. It will fill up. You, and then imagine transcribing two hours, most of which you don't need. Ugh, agonizing. So I don't actually use it in the field that much. I always have it with me just in case we're in that situation, you know, sitting across from each other over a coffee or whatever. But actually most of the time I scribble madly in a notebook. Um, and that's what I have to transcribe into the laptop every night. Otherwise, you forget it because I have such rotten handwriting, especially if you're trying to do something active and also writing. Yes. <laughs> the amount of times I trip over. Gosh. <laughs> um, yeah, so you have to, I have to type it up that night. Otherwise, I just won't be able to read it or remembering, remember it. Um, but the one thing I would say with that is you run the risk of writing quotes down wrongly, which is why I do usually prefer to record if I possibly can, because yes. you, you can't get it wrong. So if I've written the quotes down, I tend to flick them back to the person. Now you'd never do that with a celebrity, but you can do it with real people and academics and stuff because, you know, everyone wants the same outcome, which is they're to get invested. it right. So, exactly. They're invested yeah. in the same outcome. Yeah. And are you the one yeah. taking the photographs to go with the story? No, I am not. I write, I take terrible photos. I actually take a lot of photos. That's another form of note taking actually for me, just, just to jog your memory because I have a rotten memory. Um, so it's just really lovely. I literally have the phone next to me flicking through it while I'm writing just to remember, add in colors and stuff and partly for Instagram as well because it's fun. Um, but no, there is always a photographer or almost always a photographer with me. Um, although that is part of my sort of business development ideal plan if I can possibly learn to take half decent photos I'd be a bit more useful you know I'd be a bit more employable um but I think possibly that's sort of slightly back burn at the moment um but yeah they, there's usually a photographer with me or sometimes it's happened like in the wine story they send a photographer we couldn't coordinate schedules so the photographer just followed along afterwards after I had already come and gone and I just gave him a list of who I had interviewed and where I had been so he could then make arrangements to do um uh, to take portraits of the people that I'd spoken to also Australian Geographic has an excellent image library of course as you'd expect because they've been doing what they do for so long so um Sometimes, yeah, sometimes they can use their own image library. Amazing. So that was the, going to be the next question, um, whether yeah. you do travel alone um, <laughs> yeah. most of the time. 
because it looks, I do actually love traveling alone. It looks, yeah. I know, I don't, I don't take that many pictures of people. I should do. Um, I, I love traveling alone. Actually, I've been fortunate that my experience of the world has been quite, quite. People have been quite kind and helpful to me, which I appreciate is um, very fortunate. Um, so I do love. I love traveling alone. I don't love driving alone, and often these stories do entail a lot of driving. I cannot change a tire. I wouldn't know what to do. I probably couldn't even get the hood open. So driving long distances in the outback alone is really not smart. So I don't do that. So that's when I'm quite grateful that I'm usually with a photographer. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I can understand that. And what would, yeah. you, what would you say is maybe the biggest challenge of, the, of your business, this particular job, I suppose? Well, I guess, yeah, yeah. I think, I think it's juggling all the deadlines basically. And it's also just fitting everything in. Like there's so much cool stuff that I want to do. I want to, yeah, I want to learn to photograph. I want to write a book. It's fitting everything in, but on a more practical level, literally fitting everything in like deadlines, how much work can I take on? What's realistic to say yes to? What's realistic to say no to? Um, you know, what, what can I, what can I miss out on planning ahead? Like how to smooth over those potentially dead periods. Certainly, you know, everyone knows we're just, well, in my industry, we're just coming up to one, which is Christmas and new year. You won't get much freelance work around then. So I'm kind of paddling frantically now to get as much in as I can before that dead period. And then I can actually enjoy it and have a holiday. (laughs) So definitely I think, um, balancing everything, which I'm sure is a common, (laughs) common problem. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And what do you do then to, we talk a lot at Flying Solo about looking after your mental health and your wellbeing essentially, Mm. because without that, Mm. if you're a solo business owner, there is no business if there's no you. Mm. So what, what, what are the things that you sort of do? Because you've obviously got a pretty varied schedule. Are there any things that you Mm. absolutely stick to through the week, no matter where you are, what you're doing? health and wellness well leaving the house (laughs) if I'm (laughs) writing from home like which I often do I end up you know it might look on Instagram like I'm always out and about but I'm not often I am sat at home at the kitchen table typing away so then you have to leave the house like and because I am I don't know if you can tell I'm quite chatty I like to chat so I do need to kind of talk to people (laughs) which sounds silly but i know every solo business owner will will know that when you realize that you're talking too much to the person who makes your coffee and then you're like oh okay i need to find a phone <laughs> you know <laughs> i need to get so some good. words out yes. <laughs> or my poor boyfriend when he comes home i'm like blah and he's like whoa yeah. <laughs> but i do yoga i try to do a yoga class most days that i'm um i'm working from home and i do do a bit of meditation when I can. And also I think just on the mental health front, I think most people who run their own businesses have quite high standards for themselves. We work hard. Um, we try to be high achievers and those high expectations can lead you to beat yourself up a bit, I think. So I think something I'm really trying to do as of fairly recently, is just try to celebrate the wins, you know, like actually doing this. I was thinking about, oh yeah, what is my business? You know, talking to you. What is my business? You know, what is it? Oh, okay. So I do have a fun job, you know, it's taken me 18 years to to get here. You know, I've been in the industry for 18 years. So I have, you know, it's taken a long time to kind of patch together 
bits and stuff that I love to do and I love everything that I do right now. So I'm very fortunate. But it's so That's easy wonderful. to just to get head down, sunk in, you know, freaking out. Oh, I was late with this and I forgot to invoice for that and I didn't earn enough. And you just have to, of course, yes, you have to work on all those things. But also what I'm really trying to do is just celebrate the wins, you know, be, be kind to myself sometimes and, and be happy for myself and be proud of myself. Absolutely. So well said. We don't hear enough people say that. And I completely agree with you. It is so easy to get stuck in the humdrum of everybody's job has those moments, even exciting jobs like yours. So it's absolutely important to pat yourself on the back. And so the last question I wanted to ask you is, I mean, uh, you know, when I was little dreaming of being a journalist, I would have absolutely dreamed of a job like yours too. And I'm just wondering if there's freelance writers out there right now listening to this, absolutely inspired and thinking, I just, why can't I be noticed by Australian Geographic? Uh, Do you have any tips Mm -hmm. for people like that to sort of, make their mark or get get a kind of opportunity as you have done? Mm. Well, firstly, I think it's super important to be familiar with the publication. That's, um, you know, if you've got a great idea, just check that they haven't just run something similar because that will break yes. your heart. <laughs> if they go, yeah, we just did that. And you're like, ah, so annoying. So just, yeah. you know, be familiar with a couple, you know, just go to the library even and be familiar with a couple of the previous issues. Um Make sure, I think a lot of people aren't sure whether they want to print, print, pitch their idea to print or online. They are different. Certainly AG has different people in charge of those things. So mm-hmm. make sure that, you know, is it a short, bitey, newsy thing that might work on online or is it something that's a bit more evergreen that requires images that could be really lush and beautiful and would look great in print? Those are two different things, and I think that's sometimes something that people just don't really know that they ought to think about, so that's worth thinking okay. about. Um, yeah, definitely. And also just pitch, like, because I do, I am lucky enough to have a foot in both camps at the moment because I'm also on a part-time basis. I'm the features director at Elle magazine, um, which is the polar opposite of wow. Australian Geographic, yes. but it works works quite well for me. I love, I love both things. I love culture. I love nature. So those things work beautifully for me. So I commission writers. So I am both a commissioning editor and a freelance writer, which, oh my gosh, I hope that I am much better at both than I used to be because I (laughs) ought to be. And it is really surprising with my, um, features director hat on, um, that actually, you know, the, the pitches that come along that are unmissable, that are beautifully written and suggest great experts and that we haven't done already. Um, they're not that common, honestly. So it's always worth a punt. You know, if you think you've got an amazing idea, I mean, I can't speak for the editor of Australian Geographic, possibly her inbox is absolutely overflowing <laughs> with amazing pitches. Possibly she's booked up the next year. I don't know, but certainly I think that it's more common that people are grateful, you know, editors, especially with the, you know, the pinched media environment at the moment, we're desperate for great, reliable writers to pitch us good ideas that will fill our magazines with excellent content. You know, like we want that. You're, you can provide that. So if, if you think that you can provide that, if you think that you've got a great idea, that you can write it well, that you can interview great experts, that you can file on time and help the editor, the editor is going to, kiss your feet honestly <laughs> like make our yes. jobs easier yes. please <laughs> that would be great that's fantastic advice from both sides there i think 
Yeah. Um, thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. It's absolutely delightful to speak with you. And thank I would you. encourage everyone to go over and look at your Instagram account to just sort of, yeah. I mean, if anything, just, you know, to admire how absolutely beautiful this country is. Um, yes. So if you want to just share your Instagram uh, handle with yes. us now before we... Yes. Yes. At Hannah James Words and same for the website, which I really must refresh, but yes, all Hannah James Words. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Hannah, and best of luck. Thank you.